Welcome to a very special episode of All Talk FC. The Reds roll over. Chelsea have a big return back to winning ways. Mark's got a lovely game for us. We got front three, back four, and all of our other games. Let's go! some bad news the bad news is your team just got absolutely hammered which I called by the way good news is you might be right about Spurs and Mourinho congratulations I think you should start with Danny he seems less <laughs> if you've seen Patrice ever that's kind of how I feel but Danny don't seem too bad so do you want to start us kick us off then I'm actually just distracted because, so Juventus are meant to be playing Napoli tonight, but the entire Napoli team have, has COVID. And so there's not actually a game, but Juventus have tweeted, here's our starting lineup. And then Napoli have tweeted, here's our starting lineup. And then all the, for the last half an hour, they've all been talking about the game. And they're not even in the same town. They're not even playing each other. It's really bizarre. I don't really understand what's going on. You know what, Dan, you can try your absolute level best, but we are not changing the subject, right? I'll start us off. I don't even know what you can say about that. Um, all I can say is I feel very bad for you guys. There's a time when year in, year out, Arsenal were always due for at least one of those fucking games where you just get so hammered that it's like, it's like beyond, beyond any kind of analysis. You know? And you've got Patrice Evra, who's just in absolute bits. You've got the Gary Neville and some of the commentators saying that Man United need to buy new players. But that just isn't one of them performances where it's like, oh, if we bring in some fresh blood, if we uh, Ole hasn't got enough players, it's going to make much difference. Like The players out there were good enough not to be fucking losing 6-1 to a Spurs side. Um, I did think before the game, when I saw Sunstein, I think, oh, they're going to give your centre-backs trouble. Because I think Man United's been struggling with pace... Uh, pretty much all season, right? Especially from the wings. Maguire looks to be a shell of himself. I don't know what happened in Mykonos, but fuck me, that's got in his head. I don't know if he, <laughs> he made some new friends in prisons who made him a little bit jelly leg, but he's uh, yeah, he's not doing too well. And Pogba is just, he, he's reminding me of, and maybe we'll talk about it later, but Zaha in the sense that like Zaha playing for Crystal Palace, just no effort, no, no desire so much potential, but just, just woeful, man. Just woeful. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Zaha's an odd choice of person to compare him to when yeah. Zaha's actually had quite a good start to the season. But he played uh, the game against, um, the game we just had on the weekend against Chelsea was like, he got himself up for, for Man United and like an absolute world beater. And this week, he just looked like he wasn't engaged or didn't want to get involved. And Pogba, I, I just used that comparison because I thought, Pogba just didn't look like he was interested. I mean, he should be able to take over games. He's got the potential to be one of the best players in the world. And he, I think he's just continually falling short. And, I, you know, you've got Gary Neville and stuff talking about how players need to change and they need to come and go. And Pogba's often brought up. And, you know, I don't know, if, is it like the Urzo effects in, in the Arsenal locker room where it's just a player with so much influence that if he is negative, the rest of the team are negative. If he's down, they're down. And, and, 
I don't know if he needs to take more responsibility in terms of bringing the team up. I don't know if he needs to change his attitude. Or is he simply just not good enough? Is he Balotelli in, in uh, red's clothing? I think uh, Pogba's, a, uh, Pogba's been like this ever since I can remember, really. Like, he's he, a bit like Yaya Torre, who on his day, in any game, was unplayable. Like, if he wanted to, he could do whatever he wanted on the football pitch. But he didn't always do it. Towards the latter end of his career as City, he did it more regularly and he became a bit of a hero. Remember the season he scored like 25 goals or something? But he also spent a lot of his career, it's why Barcelona let him go, spent a lot of his career going in and out and being one of those players that just sort of either was completely amazing or completely missing. And Pogba's always been a bit like that. The, the, for today, today just feels like a bad day at the office and everyone's making a massive deal out of it and it's going to be a big deal and it's... It's made worse because it's Mourinho, and but like you said, the, that I think something like that has probably been coming because the last few weeks the performances haven't quite been there. The team's not quite clicking. Uh, I think they they need some fresh blood. They needed some signings, and they've just they've not had any backing. Woodward's doing his, his thing that he always does every year. I'm talking about Ed Woodward for about three years. I mean, the guy. I think he gets. I, I imagine if you're if you're a Premier League chair, if you're a chairman of any other club. And you see Ed Woodward, would you even pick up the phone to him? I don't know. I, I think he's just trying to make it out like he's a Daniel Levy type. You know, he's trying to make out he's a good negotiator. He's the guy who uh, isn't going to take, you know, he's going to get good deals. But the difference is Levy is the guy selling players like Bale and Modric. And so you can, you can play hardball when you've got that. Whereas what Woodward is doing is he's the man who's got the money behind him. He should be going out and buying. And you see some of the other clubs like Chelsea, like Liverpool, like Arsenal even, trying to at least stump up the cash for some players. Don't see United doing it. Um, but like Mike said, this is the team that was out there are good enough not to lose 6-1. I think it's just a bad day at the office. Mark, is you look at Everett talking afterwards, you talk at, see Gary Neville describing his feelings about Man United. Is this, is this game... Is the, the, the aftermath of this game, is it just an overreaction to what Man United is? Or is this what Man United really are in terms of losing like this to a Spurs side? It's, it, the issue is there's so many problems. So with United, we know transfers are a problem. The owners are a problem. The team squad size is an issue. The tactics were an issue. Individual players are problems, and it it's annoying because it's just a, it just felt a matter of time before all of those went wrong in one game. So if we we have individual errors against Brighton, but then we we still nick a result. So you're like, okay, we've papered over the cracks. We had a terrible start to last season, but then we got Bruno Fernandes, and it and it. And then COVID hit, so it meant we got Pogba back. So we had Bruno and Pogba together, and it meant we got top four, so it papered over more cracks. And it was like, it's just, to, it felt like today was going to come at some point against one of the big teams. So that's why it's frustrating. Would you like, think you think you should just take a result like today, take it for what it is and not be like, all right, we need to just absolutely tear down this team and, and rebuild from the start again? Is it just like, just one of them one-game things? This is a team hey. in third last year, don't forget. Like, not going to catch Liverpool and City in the last couple of years. This is a team that came third. This isn't a write, write all 11 players off and start again. 
there's some really good players in there. There's a half decent team, but the the there was a lack of motivation. I don't know why. I don't know if they're also bogged down by all the like, all the talk in the media. I don't know if it's just me because I'm I see more Man United news or just because Man United is news. But all the talk is about how they haven't done good business. They've been you know two and a half months have been talking about Sancho joining, and here we are a day before, and it's not going to happen. There's no one that's come in other than Van, Donny van der Beek who can't get in the team. And uh, I, I think there's probably, there could be an element that they're just, they're a young side, they're a really young side, one of the youngest, and that probably impacts them. So I, I don't think this is a rip it up at all. But then, no. like, I don't understand, for me, like, I don't understand, maybe it's just my expectations for Man United and, and, and who they are as a club. Obviously, they're, I'm not a, a Man United supporter, so my expectations for them would be different. But when I hear that they've been doing bad business and they need to make a lot of signings, I look at the squad and I think, who, who's the issue here? Who do we need to take out and who do we need to replace? And on the face of it, I don't see that there is a whole load of players that need to come out to then reintroduce new players. You need some new centre-backs. I mean, we sometimes we joke about the hair, but do you need a new goalkeeper? Your full-backs probably aren't up to standard, but your midfield is about as good as anyone on paper. If you've got Bruno, I, I love him. I think Tommy's a great player. Um, Pogba's supposed to be... You know, he's supposed to be who he's supposed to be, which is a world beater. Your forwards are young, but more than serviceable in Martial and Rashford and Greenwood. I, I, I'm just struggling to picture how many signings you need to make and 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 how soon, because I think that I, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not quite seeing it. We just it, so we need signings that improve the first team. So, for example, I I mean I. I I've not been a fan of Shaw for a while, Luke Shaw. I think we've all had our comments about Luke Shaw over the years. Every manager he has was a bad up. signing. I, I think I'm still convinced he was a bad signing. Yeah, and I, I think uh, they've gone and signed a left back bowling. All accounts, this Alex Tellez, who I know absolutely nothing about, other than that he scored 11 penalties last season. So you know they're obviously going and buying more penalty takers, which is not such a bad idea. Um, but now we've got another set piece fiend in the team. But bowling accounts is one of the best left backs in Portugal. What that means, who knows? Um, but they've gone and they, they, they're bringing a left back in. They've just sold Dalot. The, the problem with Man United is, and the, the, when you talk about bad business, is the mistake they've actually made is they've got too many players now, the likes of Rojo and Phil Jones, and even Chris Smalley and others, who they should have got rid of years ago. But what happened was they were coming to the end of their contracts and they thought, we, we don't want to let them go cheaply, so we'll give them a five-year contract, pay them 300 grand a week, because then if anyone wants them, they're going to have to pay us a fortune to get them. And instead, they price them out of the market. And so two, three years ago, when Everton were offering 20 million to Marcus Rojo, they should have snapped their hand off, but they didn't. And when um, Roma were come offering last year for Smalling, they were like, well, you can have them on loan, but not sell. You know, they're still struggling to sell him now. Uh, and pay the money. They're, they're left with a huge load of people in the team. The whole Alexis Sanchez thing was, I mean, the amount of money they had to pay to let him go. They've just done terrible business. I'm not saying they've got a terrible team. They haven't. There's some really good players. But we need some new faces and we need some quality. They just need players who want to defend. I think Luke Shaw gets a lot of stick, but today he was just left alone. And it's like none of the midfield will help him out. And his left winger in Rashford doesn't come into his own half. So you're like, the issue we have is we get someone like Juan Bissaka, who's probably the best defensive right back in the league. And we say, okay, he can defend one-on-one. So we're going to put him in positions where he has to be 100% all the time. And then Luke Shaw can't do the same. 
and it's like, oh, Luke Shaw's a bad defender. And it's like, well, no, he's probably got the hardest job of any left-back in the league because no other team would allow their left-back to be so exposed. So you look is at the goals like, and you're like... Is, is that just bad coaching then? Is that Ollie's fault? It, there is a bad... Yeah, I think so. I think there's an element of being so desperate to keep the camp happy that you've got players like Bruno Fernandes, Pogba, Rashford and Greenwood who don't have to put any shift of defence where I know Mourinho might be the opposite where it was like oh Mourinho would turn Greenwood into a centre-back but there, there is balance like under any good manager your midfield have to defend like I moaned about Ozo at Arsenal for years because it was like he don't have like he just didn't defend and I feel like at the moment we've got like five Ozos who are just like as soon as we get the ball they have energy and they'll run but they don't just have no interest when we don't have the ball. And then it, then we get like, today Maguire was terrible, but I felt, I felt for Lindelof a bit. I felt for Shaw a bit. I felt Eric Bailly was half decent today, but they just get exposed. Where well, it's I like, disagree okay, with, with Bailly being decent. I, I, thought was, I thought it was pretty bad. No, like, you look at the, the corner to where the red card happened. Bailly wins the header from the corner, blocks a shot, all goes out and then he blocks another shot to give the corner and then Martial gets sent off. It's like, I'm like, what, 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 this guy's like single-handedly. Like, Can we just agree that it's complete lunacy that nothing happened to Lamella and, and Martial got sent off? I don't, I mean, I don't understand. Yeah. I'm not a United fan, but I don't understand it, that it, at all. It would just be one of those where they apologise after. Ref will be like, yeah. oh, I should, I should have gone to VAR. You're like, well, but the ref's job isn't to go to VAR. It's not like the ref's going, all right, I'm going to go to VAR. The VAR goes to the ref. It's the other way around. He are, but he asked v, yeah, he asked VAR, was it Pogba or Martial? There was the point where he weren't sure which one to send off. So he clearly was in communication with VAR or the fourth or one of the officials. It so, doesn't make any sense. To, I, like, I can't understand. I, I don't really understand how VAR works. I don't understand the rulings. Maybe it's just because it's so new. I don't get when it can or can't intervene, why there's a ref there who saw the same pictures we saw. You only need to take one yeah. replay of that and you go, all right, they've both done the same thing. If you're, you say to the ref, you're sending Martial off, you also need to send the man off or send the yeah. off, even both yellow cards or whatever. It's only because Lamella fell to the floor. Martial didn't. The best thing for that ref was uh, best thing for that ref was Tottenham running away with it. That ended three one. Yeah. He would have got a lot of stick. But ending six one, you're like all all that decision did is it killed us being able to come back into the game. But we still shouldn't have gone we should have learnt to shut up shop and say, Okay, we'll try and at that point already. With after five minutes, after that penalty, that was about it. Spurs were the better team. They looked more dangerous. And I think... Yeah, better 2-1. Better 2-1, it was a possession. We had all the possession. We were, like, trying to prod them and they were just hoping to pick us on the counter attack. And they would have done. The moment the red card came, it went 3-1 and it was over. We we couldn't even have possession after that point. Well, let's let's give some credit to Spurs as well. Would you agree with... Have Aston Villa scored, by the way? Sorry? Have Aston Villa just scored? I think uh, they did. Yeah, they've just scored. Uh, Watkins scored. So, there you go. well, 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 Patrice Ever, you are going to have, you are going to sleep tonight. <laughs> um, Come on. In terms of six nil, Villa, of and Spurs, we won't even be headline. Um, I know we're only, 
I know we're only four games into it, but as it stands, would you say that Son has been the best player in the Premier League? One of, yeah, one of. Not the, not the, not the single standalone best player in the Premier League, because I think he has. I think, I think he's playing Calvert absolutely Lewin. out of his mind. I, th- I think well, I was going to say James Rodriguez has been incredible. If you've actually watched James Rodriguez, he's looked brilliant. Yeah, he was brilliant in the last game. I, I don't know if he was in the first couple. Rodriguez, Hamid, he's been great every week. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah some would, some would be up there. Yeah, for sure. But Son and Kane, those two. Kane has just decided this season. I mean, he's always been a always talked about him as a nine and a half. Like he's not out and out nine and out and out ten. He sort of can play both. He obviously wears the number ten shirt as well. So in his mind, he must not see himself as an out and out number nine. But he just seems to have decided this time. I don't know if it's a Mourinho thing or what, but he's obviously been told if you just hold the ball up, wait, play it in behind. Son's there every time, and he is. And Son's ruthless. I think he's just lost the element of pace. I don't think Kane was ever the fastest striker, but he, like, I think that he just seems to have lost a bit of pace. So he's just having to play smarter. So almost playing like, like you kind of said, um, who's the best front three in the Premier League, especially now with Bell there. I think I made the joke last week, but he's almost kind of doing that Firmino role, isn't he? He's more, he's more decided that he's going to be an assist man as opposed to someone who's just going to turn and shoot every time. Every, You know, there was a stage where every time he got the ball, it didn't matter who was around him, Kane was shooting. And, and he had the right to because he was, he was scoring. But now he's probably realised he's not had his shooting boots on for the last two and a half years or whatever. Um, Son is... God, I mean, God, he's so clinical. It's ridiculous. He's, he's about as clinical as yeah. any striker yeah, that's going right now. Um, yeah, yeah and, and, that second goal is quality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like, so good. Spurs' second goal. Like, I actually would, if you, if I was in the touchline for United, I would have been like, all right, Maguire, you could have stopped the quick free quick kick and potentially got a yellow card. But otherwise, I was like, sometimes you have to, as you say, give credit to Spurs and say that second goal, it shouldn't have even knocked our confidence. It should have been like, all right, they did a, a quick play and did well. Like, yeah, but I yeah, agree. I mean, that, that second goal was all Son. That was all Spurs. It was really quick thinking from Kane. Amazing finish from Son. I can't. You can't really knock them too much. But some of the some of the mistakes. United should have had three red cards. Let's be honest. Shaw should have had a red. Pogba could have had a. Red. I don't know about the Shaw one. That's an interesting one. Yeah, it's that not was the like last man. That's a yellow card. That's it's a professional foul. You take him down on the run. I don't see that as a red card. It wasn't dangerous in my mind. It's it's the downside of Gary Neville commentating on United games. It's the moment we go a goal down, he kind of gets self-destructive. And like he'll be like, if Sissoko did that same tackle, he wouldn't be asking for a red. But obviously he can't hide his... how pissed off he is. So. I, did think, I did think Sky's probably done... Done Man United and probably the fans a little bit of a disservice having both Ever and Gary Neville um, on on the on the uh, uh, commentary and, and punditry today because they were just so they were just so negative and they were just so like so emotional about the whole situation. It was so difficult for them to be objective in the slightest. And I just thought, I don't know, like relax a little bit. I know things aren't that great, but Jesus Christ, I thought it was, I just thought it was a bit yeah. much. The only, the only saving grace with all of this, like I said, like United had a bad day at the office, and that is a really bad day at the office. But the saving grace here is 
Man City also lost 5-3 last week to Leicester. And Leicester just lost 3-0 to West Ham. Everyone's beating everyone. Villa are currently beating Liverpool. This season is going to be a bizarre season. I, I think there's going to be yeah. the amount of goals we've seen. The, it's just great. What is going on is absolutely crazy. And I think it's going to continue. And we're going to see a lot of these weird results. Uh, yeah, the only positive from my point is we've had our bad days at the office before right. the transfer window is closed. If we had won every game... It closes tomorrow, but it, it suddenly puts a rocket up their ass to, to sign someone. I think if we'd won every game, we could have easily seen no sign-ins. So, but it, what do you think part of, of me is like... I don't, I don't know what to make of Cavani. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about... I mean, obviously, I know enough about him because at PSG, we know how many goals he scored. But yeah. really, at his age, on those wages, what, what are they doing? But the thing, uh, according to like uh, some journalists... And I think Gary Neville said it today was like Cavani doesn't strike you as like a Falcao or a um, Alexis Sanchez whose only interest is money. Like he 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 will go down as a PSG legend, and it's like I hope he's coming with good intentions, like to actually come and have two good years of football. A bit like what Ibrahimovic done. It was like Ibrahimovic was on stupid wages, but his intention was to still be good. He didn't come to to just retire. So. Well, Cavani, Cavani left PSG, apparently, because of a fallout with Neymar. So Cavani and Neymar had massive fallouts and arguments. Yeah, but that was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but that's why he, that's, and that's why he, he didn't renew his contract with them. That's why he left. And that's why they've got him on a free, but obviously with extortionate wages. Um, but it does seem mm. like an odd last-minute panic there's just no talk about him ever for months. And now all of a sudden, there's yeah. this Cavani in the wings. And he'll be starting next game because Martial's suspended. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get him in. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I wonder how much he'll be on FPL. So from one Manchester be 11. team to 5. another, from one Manchester team to another, what about City? Are we concerned with how City's going to be playing this season? I don't know. I don't think they're playing very well. Um, I, I want to talk about, about Everton 10, a little bit later, 10, but what? I described that um, who um, who uh, Man City. Yeah, I find it so odd when teams do it. Like City, absolutely battered Leeds until they scored. Yeah, and it's so weird because you're like, it was like you feared the worst for Leeds. It was just attack after attack after attack. And then City went 1-0 up and you thought, oh no, floodgates are opening here. And then City just stopped. And it was like 1-0 was good enough. And then all of a sudden Leeds got a bit of confidence. And you're like, how do you create so many attacks? And then the moment you score, you just stop. That's not like Leeds getting momentum. That's something in their team thinking 1-0 was good enough. But I agree it's weird. And that, it, was, it was early on as well. It was like 15, 20 minutes in. But the, the stat that I think is that we need to remember about Leeds is they're the only team in the last I think, decade or the last five years who when, have, have faced both Liverpool and City and they've had over 55% possession in both games. They're the only team that have done that. And that they do that for a reason. It's because of how they play. And that was the reason I put my, um, you know, my, my guest this week. I know it's called tongue-in-cheek and joking, but I generally thought Leeds had a chance of beating City this week. because really of and because of how they, they're so attacking and City is so vulnerable to that because that I just thought they probably could catch them out and 
to be fair, a couple of great Edison saves, Leeds should have won that game just as much as Man City should have in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, because I'm looking now, Man City had 23 shots. Yeah. And I bet most of those were before they scored their first goal. For sure, yeah, for sure. And how, But how many of those would have been Raheem Sterling, who is not the greatest of finishers? Although it was a great finish. Although it was a great finish. Yeah. Do you like 30 goals a season for the last how many years? Not a great finish. I think at the beginning of the season, it was probably the furthest out I've ever seen him score. Yeah. It reminds me of the Southampton. There was one a couple of years ago where they won the league for the first time, and it was like 94th minute. And he got the ball edge of the box, and he did exactly that whipped it top corner, and it went absolutely mental. It was like the making of Raheem Sterling, and he started, he just didn't stop scoring after that. It was one, it was another one of them. Um, So I just want to say that we said, Rightfully so, at the beginning of the season, that it'll, you know, it's going to be another two-horse race when it comes to Man City and Liverpool for the title. Do you still have confidence that Man City could compete for the title or even finish second, or is this are they are they now lumped in with the rest of the group in terms of trying to compete for the top four? No, they are. For me, I mean, I don't know you, Mark. For me, City and Liverpool are still miles ahead, miles ahead of the others. Yeah, City just looks so How... thin. Their squad just looks so thin right now. But they've got a lot of injuries. They're, they're, yeah, when's Aguero back? It's the real question, isn't it? He's not far off now. And after the international break, they think he'll be back. But you've got Aguero and Jesus were both missing. You've got Fernandinho wasn't playing. There's a whole whole host of injuries they've got. Yeah. And they've got some new players they're bringing in. I think they'll be fine. Jesus is awful. But yeah, like, don't, don't lump him in. Let's be real. The moment Aguero is back, it will ease the pressure off De Bruyne because since Aguero's been injured, City looked like a one-man team. And once Aguero's back, I can you could easily see uh, them running off. What, what so, is, it is that they've obviously lost David Silva, and David Silva was hugely influential in that team. Like even though he didn't score all the goals necessarily, he got a lot of assists. Like he was so influential, and, and a bit like you said, Mark, he took a lot of the pressure off De Bruyne because it was always Silva and De Bruyne. It was both of them. They could both do it, and they could both take the ball, see a pass. Now, it's only De Bruyne and that team that can do it. Foden is not... Foden's an excellent player, still young, but he's not David Silva. He's not that kind of player yet. And he keeps getting played out wide because I think he's still, they're still trying to work out where he fits best. They haven't quite got a replacement for Silva. And I wouldn't trust Guardiola to get a replacement because I, I, when we were chatting on the group the other day when they signed their def- new defender, yes. I was like, I was looking at City's signings since Guardiola came in and Edison's probably the best one he's signed. I think Laporte's and, a great signing as well. Yeah, so Laporte and Edison and Did I'm he like, he's Did he no. sign Sterling? He no. signed Sterling, didn't he? 50 no. million. That was one of his first. I don't think so. Or Sterling was done this, like before he came, or that summer. I think it was that summer. Maybe it was done before. I'm pretty sure Sterling joined him. But yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, I, I was just looking. I don't. He spent something like four four hundred and fifty million on defenders, a hundred million on goalkeepers, and it's like, and he's saying he needs a left back, and you're like, well, you spent forty five million on Ake for no reason. And and now it looks like that he's going to put him left back as just. Well, he, he's to actually be like, okay. Left-back. I guess I have to put him left. He played left back for Holland, okay, quite a bit. He started as a left back. I don't know if you remember when he first joined Chelsea when he was like sixteen, seventeen. He start. He came as a left back from Holland, 
and he plays for the national team there. He's a bit like Vertonghen. He can play both. So I think that's probably part of the reason they got him. But they uh, they put 50 million into, into Mendy and it hasn't worked out. They put 50 million into Carl Walker and to be fair, I think Carl Walker's done pretty well for them. I won't say he's the best right back in the world, but he's yeah. had a good career for them for sure. Like Mendy, I, don't, I, I feel like put, put him under a different manager and I think he'll be hit. How can he not be good? He's just... It, it's, uh, has, well, some players, when they have an ACL and when they have those kind of injuries, they just don't ever quite get their 100% recovery. They just don't get back. You see it all the time. I think the same thing happened with Luke Shaw. I'm, I'm certain he's not the same player since he came back from breaking his leg as he was before. And sometimes that just happens with players, unfortunately. And I think that's the same with Mendy. Um, so that, that was definitely a, a fail. They, he couldn't have known he was going to be out two years in a row with different ACLs, but that happens. Um, but I think Bernardo Silva's a great, great signing that, that he made. Gundogan probably hasn't been as good as they'd want. Um, but yeah, they, they need a replacement. They didn't replace Thomas. Yeah. They haven't replaced yeah, It sounds like, yeah, he's not a great signing. Like. Who? It, it seems like with Pep Guardiola, if you're going to let him sign a position, you have to give him like three goes at it. Like, if you're going to let him sign a, w- a winger, you, you need to let him sign three, and one of them will come good. Well, let's see like, how Ferran Torres does. I'm I'm really intrigued by Torres. He's obviously starting already. Mares, another one. Uh, I mean, you, you can't say they're bad players. Well, certainly Mares. You can't say he's a bad player. No, no, but he's not like got better. If he's actually got worse since going to City than what he was, like true, he was the player of the season, wasn't he? <laughs> so you can't you can't get anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Leeds are going to get relegated. Um, I've got a stat for you. Everton have strung together ten plus passes uh, sequences more than any other team, only second to Liverpool. How good are they this season? Well, they've, they've taken everyone by surprise. What was interesting was um, yesterday's game, Alan was injured, and I looked at the starting lineup and I thought, oh, this is interesting because they've had to play Tom Davies in that position. Obviously, he's not great, and they've struggled in that midfield, particularly with Sigurdsson, Tom Davies, and a few others. But um, yeah, Hammers and Decore are oh, brilliant. They're, they're, they're great ball players. They keep the ball. I think a massive amount of that is Hammers Rodriguez. If you actually watch watch any of the games and watch him play, he doesn't lose the ball. I'm really impressed. It was really. funny in Match of the Day, it was like the amount of sprints that he's done in every game since the start of the season. He's like, his first game there was one sprint, the second game was zero, the, the game after that he had four sprints. Like The guy barely runs, he just clearly has some kind of like supreme control over the ball. And um, whatever, whatever Carlo Ancelotti's done, he's clearly working around James Rodriguez because, I don't know, like, you know, Mark, you said um, Calvert Lewin is a is a, a pretty good striker, and neither of you can bring yourself to bring him in, which is, is a big mistake that I have. But all it seems that Everton seems to be doing is just like I think they've realised, maybe same as me. He's a big guy, like he's pretty tall. So all they're doing is just whipping these balls in, and he's clearly a good header of the ball because um, that seems to be the main avenue in which they get a lot of their goals. It's working out for him. He did say when Duncan Ferguson took over, if you remember when, um, I can't remember what manager it was that got sacked. Was it Marco Silva? Whoever it was that got sacked and Duncan um, came in as, uh, as yeah. the caretaker coach and Calvert-Lewin started they scoring won, like, every game, isn't And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, he's, and he's, he said, he's just said to me, get on the end of it. 
head the ball, be aggressive. He's just he's just said, I'm just going to try and play like him. And I think he has improved. He's obviously now made the Indian squad, which would be interesting. Not quite sure how he gets in the team. Maybe. Maybe Kane playing him behind. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Calvert-Lewin's... I don't think... This might probably come back to haunt me. I don't think he's a 30-goal-a-season striker. Probably not that much. I think, uh, historically, you see these forwards who 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 just kind of head the ball a lot and, and need a lot of balls that are whipped in. They're generally not, you know... For, maybe he'll have one good season, but Chris I don't Woods think... Chris Woods isn't it? It's Chris Woods, the Jay Rodriguez is the... Like, Danny Ings, I would Danny say, Cavill. he's a better all-round striker than Dominic Cavalier, in my opinion. I think he gives more to the team. He off, he, He's a better finisher, Danny Ings. But Cavalier's young. If he yeah. keeps improving, there's no reason why he yeah. can't, can't be really decent. I actually listened to this game on the radio. I didn't watch it, but they were mightily impressed with Iwobi when he came on. Really? Their hope, hope for him yet. Is <laughs> there Yeah, like, we have a Merseyside title race, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting it's, to see where everything ends up. Um, especially because it's a, the, the, the fluctuation of all the teams. Like, you've got Chelsea now who, who look woeful last week and this week they're beating Crystal Palace 4-0 and Palace Smashing uh, Man United last week and then losing like that. It's, well, look uh, at Tam, Look at Leicester. That's what I mean. It's just I think because all the games are in such close proximity, what we're not seeing is the fitness side of it. We're not seeing the rest. Mm-hmm. There's obviously players coming in now because of actually having COVID. Villa have just scored again. They're now two. <laughs> Ollie Watkins has just got two, so they're now two 0 up against Liverpool. Uh, like we all know, the all talk team sub this week. You can't call you can't call a single thing in this this season. I think it's just gonna be one of those crazy seasons. Oh, what a goal! Lovely. He's oh a good God. signing. He's a good signing. I like. Do you know what? Ollie Watkins and Ross Barkley are two. That's that's two great signings that improve our Aston Villa team. It's a bit of a one man goal. Goal that one though. Gomez just got murked. He's a good Sorry, player. Oh, Gomez. I'm not. I'm not watching it, but. So I'm watching now. It's a shame, Gomez. He's he's a because as much as I was like Gomez is the weak link, he's still a young English centre back. So you don't really want him to to become a weak link. I think I think the problem with the goal that just happened now is that Trent Alexander Arnold is showing that he's just not capable of defending. All he is for all of his qualities as a second player, if he's not got someone that's helping him out um, at fullback, then it's just not going to work out for him. Clearly. I can't believe Come on, Villa. Jesus Christ. 6 0 Villa, and yeah. we don't even make the back page. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what's funny though is um, <laughs> if you if you look back, like what when was the World Cup 2018? So like going the 20, 2018 20, or 2017 18 season, we we're going into that season sort of like with a few young players, potentially like English players potentially coming through, a little bit of hope, but thinking well the England teams are. Not that great, but got a good future. We then had 2018 World Cup, and we're like, "Oh my God, this! We've got an amazing future. We've got all these young players. We've won a few like youth leagues, the UA, like the um, World Cup under 21s, all of that." We're now here, coming up to like the 2021 Euros, as it were, and we're just we've spent the last half an hour slating pretty much every young English player we can think of because they're just not living up to expectation. Maybe our expectations are just too high. I know one player that's um, reaching expectations who's just been called up for the England squad. And that's my man Saka. I'm so glad that he's playing for England now because that was one of my worries was that um, I don't know which African country his heritage is from but that was a bit of a concern because I do think that 
I do think that he has the potential to be a good England player. Um, and uh, yeah, no, pleased to see him play well. He got man of the match for Arsenal today. I don't know if you saw it. Wasn't yeah, it yeah, good header, really good header. Yeah, yeah, really good header. Uh, he played well. And I think like I don't, I don't know what what his natural position is necessarily because I know I think he likes to play right wing actually, but he seems to be playing on the left a lot. Um, I like him at left back. I think or left wing, left wing back. I think he's he suits that position really well because he cuts inside, which is what Arteta wants him to do. And uh, and he's really he's pacey. He can defend as well. I think it's, it's a really good position for him. And he's an excellent passer of the ball. And that's, I think yeah, he's part of about English defenders. Talk about the likes of Maguire, the likes of Gomez. We haven't got an abundance of pace at the centre-backs, John Stones and so on. We're probably going to have to play a back three. Southgate likes a back three, which means we need two really strong wing-backs. We've obviously got Trent on one side with Walker or whoever else. We need a strong left wing-back, and I don't think he's sure. So I think there's there's absolutely a spot for Saka there, if he can nail that down. Yeah. It must just be the Premier League at the minute but I just don't feel like there's any good centre-backs like Van Dijk and then I saw I look across the league and there's centre-backs making mistakes all over the place it's just so, not many goals going in we're just not used to it and we've just had the record yeah. two weekends ago Most it's, it's just scored. it's just what you know, they, they probably didn't have much of a pre-season you often I think you know that, that it's one of the things about football is that um Defending is a is a is a team um, a team aspect, isn't it? If you've got not much time to piece that together and work on it, you're probably going to be more liable. With attacking, it seems to be much more individual brilliance and flair and and, and ability. Whereas if you can't, um, if you haven't got enough time to train together, put it together as centre backs, you're obviously going to be a bit liable. Because even Liverpool, it's like they've been doing it for what two seasons now. But if they haven't got that time to prepare, it's clearly they're they're fallible as well. I think it is that definitely is to do with the, the quantity of games. Was it Spurs had 10, ten games in, no, seven games? Well, Spurs, in, Spurs had two midweek games this week. Yeah, they're, they're something like seven games in two weeks. Something ridiculous. I mean, some of the amount of games that all these teams are playing, how can you prepare? You just can't. Yeah. And their fans as well will make a difference. Yeah, like, no, I agree. I agree with that. I think the, the sooner they can get fans back, the better, but looks like that's a while off. Yeah, real shame. I think this was the weekend it was supposed to be. I know at least for Arsenal, this was going to be the weekend in which they um, had some fans in the stadium. So I don't know how that was going to work. But yeah, real shame. I, I mean, maybe after Christmas it won't be until we get fans uh, back oh, in the stadium. I don't think it'll be this Shall we talk about your, um, your yeah, favourite competition, Chris? There's been some, there was some really exciting Carabao Cup action this week. I could care less. Do you know, I was thinking about this and I was like, the only time I'd think that it was these, uh, um, the only time I'd care about it is if we actually won. Even if we lost, I'd be like, do you know what, I don't even care about it. Don't care. Yeah, we've beat Liverpool three times this year. Smashed them. Just not in the Premier League though. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, Spurs-Chelsea game as well. Although, Although I have to say, I was pretty disappointed that Werner didn't step up. Chelsea so went to pens and Chelsea took nine penalties and Werner didn't step up for any of them. Wow. That's your number nine. How's he not step? Apparently afterwards, he said that uh, he just wasn't feeling well or he didn't feel confident. You're like, hold on a minute. You're the number nine. Nine penalties and you didn't step up. Come on. Like the next one was the keeper. 
Yeah. I don't know. If you, it's, 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 it's quite a big thing to say that you can't do it. So you've got to respect the man for that, right? I don't know. I remember a story from about two years ago for Red Bull where he got asked to be subbed because the noise was too loud in the stadium. And <laughs> I remember thinking at the time, uh, there must be something else going on. But now after doing that, I'm thinking, Werner's not cut, not cut out for this. I remember a podcast about two years ago where um, an English player missed the penalty. And Chris was ripping them because they were like, oh, she's so brave to have taken one. And that, Wasn't it, isn't it, was it Ellen White where it was in the World yeah, Cup and she had said she World did Cup not want to USA, take it and they yeah. said... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so brave. So brave, yeah. Timo Werner, so brave, so brave. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't even the best penalty shootout of the week. I know I was missing you guys here with that guy, but I don't know if you've seen it yet. That you have to watch the penalty shootout from Milan. I'm not going to watch it. Oh, it's just so good. It's so entertaining. It's so good. It's only like a three minute. There's a three minute clip. But just watch it. It's so good. Like from scoring in the 96th minute or something to take it to pens to then the way the penalty. I think there was 24 penalties in all. It was just amazing. The keeper's pens were absolutely fantastic. You have to watch them. They're so funny. Well, the, the thing is now, with the because they're so strict on the keeper having to keep their foot on the line, like today, you're going to see keepers guessing the right way a lot, but still not getting there. Yeah. So before it used to be, if the keeper guessed the right way, they, they stood a chance. But now, because they're so much further away and they almost have to react a bit different you'll see a lot of keepers going correctly but still just not getting to the ball there was a good article in, in the athletic actually just this week about penalties and they were saying about how um because the question was with var with var now and the rules aren't they on the handball rule in particular are there going to be more penalties and obviously you think well yes there are so the handball rule we now have germany and italy have had for like two years they straight after the world cup they took it in and the average penalties See, I can't remember what the numbers were, but it was it was nearly yeah, double. They put on man, yeah, they put it on match of the day. Oh, did like, they? The numbers, yeah. So uh, the German league had something like fifty-seven. The Spanish league had like forty-two, and in the Premier League we had eighteen yeah. penalties from handballs. And then we were already on eleven this season. But and they've changed the rule this weekend. But what is interesting is that this, I think, uh, back in the last season, this season so far, now the, the amount of penalties in Germany is starting and it is dropping. And what they're saying is they think it's just going to take some time, but players will start to get used to it and start to be, play differently. And they'll get caught less because yeah. they'll, they'll know not to do it. Well, Barkley just, get... just missed a great chance. Oh, my goodness. Come on, Villa. Um, on. Before we take, move take on, is there any other things of note about football this weekend that you want to talk about? Transfers? Sheffield United got their first goal. Do I will say? I will say like about Gabriel's in particular about Arsenal's defence. I'm not. I don't think I'm wholly impressed with him at the moment. He looks like he's got a big mistake in him, just like Louise. Um, the only other thing I did think about was: Do you think that? Um, do you think that all these uh, football teams play too much FIFA? Because I've, for, for ages I've been trying to figure out why there's so many short corners in the Premier League. And it's because, it's like, remember when we used to play FIFA, I'm like, how many goals you score from a corner? Next to none. Do you think they had the same thing where that's why they're just doing these stupid I, short corners? I, I don't know if it's a FIFA thing, but it's definitely a thing because we've talked about this before in the past. You just don't see goals from corners that often anymore. You just don't. But no. that's because you don't see corners. So, I, think, I think, like... I remember a couple of years ago, they were talking about uh, 
I think it was a Sam Allardyce team, which scored 4% of their corners, and they were like miles ahead yeah. of other teams. And it was like, wow, you got like, that's, oh, the, that's the best you're hoping for. It's like Salah, thank you. Captain Salah, make this weekend worthwhile for fantasy football, for fuck's sake. Sorry, Mark, carry on. No, it's just, as you were saying, the percentage is so low. But I find that about free kicks. Like, I think, like, when you see a player lining up to shoot from a free kick, I'm like, certain positions, I'm like, just a little bit of imagination. Like, when you see these clips from abroad where they're like, they've done, like, two passes and the guy's got a free shot at goal. And you're like, the amount of times you see that where you're like, if a team just did something a little bit imaginative, they could at least get a, create a chance. That's why, that's why we all loved Southgate. Because in that World Cup in 2018, all our goals came from set pieces because of ima- they were imaginative, yeah. imaginative and they were, you know, we were doing that. It weird, was like, Kieran, like, Kieran Trippier kicked this ball in the top corner. And he no, did. Outside of that, we actually scored from quite a few yeah. corners. And we scored from free kicks because, yeah. remember the, the line that they were all doing? That's where Maguire and everyone was getting their goals from. Do you not do you not think this is like I appreciate innovation and, and, and evolution of sports and, and tactics and what have you. But similar to this uh, this thing I cannot stand playing it from the goalkeeper to have the centre backs out of uh, play out the back, which for me just doesn't work and I don't understand it. Like is there are there things that they can involve the corner with outside of just taking a body corner? Because I don't even think short corners are working either. They end up just passing all the way back to to um, their centre backs. Is it just? Is it simply just let's keep possession and not give it away or, or create an opportunity? Because I don't think there's much you can do. Just take the bloody corner. I think, like looking at United, and we're one of the worst teams at defending corners. As teams start playing out, they're just less likely. Why is Danny cheering? John McGinn's just scored. I'm telling you, three one. That man's an absolute legend. Yeah, three one. Have you got oh, him in? Missing a great game. No, but just love him. Yeah, we are missing a great game. I, I'm watching it, so it's not that bad. All right, front three, back four. Let's get this done. Second half of this game. Come on. Right, should we go to um, the results league? Yeah. Oh, woeful. Yeah. Oh, well, the yeah. week before Let's last, go to... I got four points. I did well. You did. You did, but we we talked about that, didn't we? No, because we, we didn't have a pod since then. Yeah, we did. No. So, we... <laughs> anyway, let's carry on. Go on, Dan. Do you want to say let's this? Do it. You do it. Well for, well, for this week, I mean, I already said I picked Leeds to beat City. Didn't quite go my way. Uh, Mark, you went West Brom to beat Southampton 2-1. That didn't quite go your way. I thought that was a bold shout anyway. Uh, and Chris, you went for Newcastle to beat Burnley 2-0, which was a correct result. Not quite the right score, though. I did say on the chat, I was like, it's a tough, tough week to call any away victories. And so far, there's only going to be one out of all the fixtures. So. Currently, the score's on the doors. I'm top with eight. Chris, you're next on four. And Mark, you've got two. Do you know what, Mark? As well, I actually think this weekend is a bit of a tough one for away fixtures as well, again. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple of weeks now before the next round of fixtures. I'm Let, also- let's put... Let's let's put it let's lock it in though because uh, we might we might forget about it later. So um, I've actually got one ready to go if that's all right. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking, Chris, you know, you, you've already picked New... We're only here four weeks, and you've already picked Newcastle to win twice. And Mark, you've yeah. picked West Brom to win twice. <laughs> we only had four weeks. Yeah, yeah, get them out the way. Get That's them crap yeah. out the way, isn't it? Don't reveal my strategies. Come on, now. <laughs> Finish the season strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what the hell did I have in mind? Oh, I got it. Um, so, I'm going to go Fulham to beat Sheffield United away from home. That's and I'm going to... Hey? a good shout. I like that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to go for two... One. Put that in there, Danny. Two one. You're going for. Hold on, let me get it out. One. Fulham to beat Sheffield United away from home. Sheffield United, they cannot score, but I think they'll get one against Fulham. They'll be up for this game. Hopefully, Rian Brewster starts for them soon. That'd be fantastic. Well, you heard they've just they've just made another signing today as well. Another strike of fifteen million. Habib Diallo. He's from the uh, French league. He's twenty-one year old. So that clearly is not going to happen for me. Yeah. Well, he scored a few goals last year, but I mean, I, I don't know a lot about him. So. Yeah. Go on then, Mark. Danny, who's got one? Uh, I was actually going to go uh, your fixture, but the other way around. Shall I do it? Yes. Yes. Go on. I'll do Sheffield United to beat Fulham. And I'm going to go 3-0. I was going to say, Mark's going to do some classic... Mark scoring by some high scoring well, stuff. I watched, I watched Fulham v Brentford. And Brentford, uh, it was why I was so sad when Brentford lost to Fulham in the playoff final. Because you're like, Brentford would have been a good addition to the league. And Fulham are just used They're a waste of space. Brentford, did you see the goal Brentford scored? Where the guy nutmeg, did the nutmeg. Was it Ben Rama by any chance? It, it was. He's just too, he's just class. I can't believe he's not got a move, Ben Rama. I thought he would have Yeah, been Ben Rama. Yeah. So he rolls the ball like he's facing his back to goal. He does a back heel through the legs of the Fulham defender and then shoots from like 30 yards out, top corner. He's like, been doing that all season. He was doing that all season in the Championship. He's, he's the best player in the Championship. I cannot believe they've held on to him. It's 4 1. Watkins has got a hat trick. Some, some dickhead's going to have him as triple captain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> When they do captain what, of the week, and what such bad defending! Oh my goodness, what the hell just happened there? What is going Come on? Come on, Villa! That's two goals where the, where all the Liverpool players have just literally watched uh, Aston Villa play football. We're going to have Patrice Evra and Klops, Gary Neville just standing there smiling and laughing. We're going to have Sunes crying in the arms of Evra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, oh, how things change! It might be offside. I don't think it is. It could be. Like it's, right. it's been given. Uh, anyway, sure, uh... my my pick. Ooh, uh, yeah. I think Brighton have been playing really well, and they've been really unlucky not to win more games. And I think Palace didn't look particularly good against Chelsea, so I'm going to go for a Brighton local, away. Local derby, that one. Yeah, Palace Brighton. The, what do they call it? The A13 derby? Or what, I can't remember what road. But, um, yeah. Uh, That's I think road, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so I'm going for Brighton to beat Palace. Uh, and I'm going to go for... 2-1. There we go. Locked in. You need to change Sheffield United's home na- uh, name. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Mark, Mark, have you got a game for us? Have we got time? 
Yeah. So my game was actually inspired by Cavani coming to United. And uh, so I was curious about it, players who are seen as legends at, in other countries, but actually had spells in the Premier League. And I'm wondering if you can tell me what team they had a, they played for in the Premier League. Okay. Diego so, Forlan. That's so funny. So, He's the one that came to mind for me as well. So, I, in, in normal senses, I started quite easy. So, Chris, you can go first. Oh, thanks. So, Henrik Larsson was a legend for, in Celtic and Barcelona, winning the Champions League with Barcelona and one of Celtic's all-time top goal scorers. But what Premier League team did he play for? I'm going to go for the woeful Manchester United. Correct. If you get it wrong, I'll pass it over. So, Danny, Real Madrid legend, centre-forward, Fernando Morientes. He had a spell in the Premier League for about a season and a half. Do you remember what team he played for? I think he played under Rafa Benitez at Liverpool. Correct. All right. Yeah, a little bit harder now. Chris? Wow. This was one of my favourite players in Pro Evolution Soccer 2 because yeah. I remember Pro, Pro Evolution Soccer 2 had... Um, it was the first game to have different free kicks for certain players. So Roberto Carlos had his own style. David Beckham had his own style. And so did Hitoshi Nakata. Do you remember Nakata as a player? And do you remember he had a spell in the Premier League and for which team? Oh, man. Well, you've gone literally from like <laughs> zero to 100 by fuck. Nakata, um, do, you, do you remember Nakata as a player? I remember him being this random player with amazing free kick ability in, in a pro, but... I remember him just as exactly that for his free kicks. Yeah. Um, I think I know who it was. Do you know who he played for, Dan? I think I do. Did he... I'll oh, get past the Danny. Did he play for... Um, uh, did he play for Everton? In, incorrect. Danny? Uh, I, I think he was like one of Sam Allardyce's. I think he was at Bolton. He was at Bolton. Oh, that's a great yeah. shout out. When Sam Allardyce had his... Uh... The, the thing with this game was I actually had to leave a lot of the Bolton players out. Like well, because I was just about Hiero to say, and... yeah, Hierro would have been there and all of those Campos, people. And all those players. Campo, JJ Okocha. But JJ Okocha is he's a legend in his own right at Bolton. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, Danny, the legend, Premier League winning manager, Roberto Mancini. He had a small... small small spell in the Premier League. He actually came out of retirement to play in the Premier League. What? Did he? Yeah. Which team did Mancini play for? Mancini played in the Premier League? <laughs> yeah. I thought he finished his career at Lazio. Came out of retirement. Oh, he, came yeah. out of, he came out of retirement? How long did he play? How long did he play in the Premier League? How many games did he play? Four. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> it was an unsuccessful 
Premier League career. Let's be let's be honest. I'm going to go for Man City because maybe that's why they got him in. Incorrect, Chris. Um, I'm going to go for West Ham. Incorrect. It was Leicester City. God, when was that? So, 2001. Jesus. Muzzy's it, era. All right. So, 2 1, Danny. <clears throat> so, Chris, World Cup winning manager Didier Deschamps. He actually had a, a short spell in the Premier League, too. Do you know who he played for? Mark, uh, Danny's looking too happy about this one. Um, Didier Deschamps played for Chelsea. Correct. 27 appearances in total. He did. That's a great 2-2. All right, Danny. Let me get some stats about this guy. Uh oh, that's a, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Let me see how to pronounce this guy's name. He was a legend in yeah. the Bolivia League. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's actually a Dutch, Dutch legend for Ajax. Played. He was a right back. He played eighty-three games for Ajax and one hundred and seventy-three times for Barcelona before having a short spell in the Premier League. Where did Michael? Rosiga play. Oh, tough one. Uh, who? Yeah, he was, tough because I don't know who that is. Michael Rosiga. Um, I feel like it's pronounced Rosiga, something like that. He was uh, Holland's right back in ninety six, ninety eight, two thousand, two thousand and four. Did he have a big afro? Do you know who I picture him? Did he have a big afro? I feel like let me um, let me get him up for when he played in the Premier League. The thing, what? Yeah, don't have a look then. Um, 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 I'm gonna go. I don't know why. I think this is wrong. I don't even think they're in the Premier League at this time. But I'm gonna go for Crystal Palace just because I, I feel like they they signed a Dutch guy years ago. Unlucky, Chris. Um, Michael Rodziga. Played for, hmm, I'm just, I'm literally just guessing here. Um, Middlesbrough. Correct. Hey! It was Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. No way did you get that. Yes. You didn't even I, know Middlesbrough were in the Premier League then. Get out. I just oh, figured no. that, I just figured that Middlesbrough has, has had a run of in the Premier League of just odd foreign players. So I was like, just go for them. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was just, he had, he had played a hundred and seventy something times for Barcelona and then signed for Middlesbrough in that summer. So wow. what what year was that? Uh, I don't have it up because I was looking for his afro. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! That's brilliant. Right, come on then. Is this the so last one? Is it is it all level? Yeah, for going in the last round. Is it three level? all? Yeah. Yeah, it's level. Last round. Tiebreaker. This is worth this is worth two points, Chris, because this person actually plays for two Premier League teams. Oh no, isn't it mine? So, oh no, it's Chris's game. No, no, it's Danny's turn. He got he, No no, because it was Danny's he got it wrong. Oh yeah, Chris, you got my point. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, because you so, went first. Okay. So, legendary African player, George Ware. Oh, I know that one. He, he played for two Premier League teams. Do you know which two teams he played for? Um, Afri- African Ballon d'Or winning. So, George Ware played for Leeds. That's incorrect. Oh, I'm thinking of Tony Yeboah. Yeah, just about to say you're thinking of Yeboah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost um, Ballon d'Or winning Yeboah, but not. Mm, no, nah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was at Nottingham Forest. Not Nottingham Forest. Um, oh, I think I know. Um, I'm going to go for... Um, um, Everton. Unlucky. Oh. Danny? So he, he definitely played for Man City. George Ware. Yeah. Because of, Correct. Because he's, there's a famous uh, picture of him. With, I can't remember the number he's got on his back. But I'm trying to... Uh, I'm, I feel like he played... I feel like he played for two clubs in the same year. I, like, I feel like there was... He only had a few um, appearances for one and then he was straight on to another. I think it was Man City. And I don't know, I'm trying to think where else he came from. Um, he'd have been at Milan because that was where he was spent most of his career. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you've won the game. You've won the game, Dan, come on. I haven't. There's still two. This is my go next. Um, I'm going to go for Chelsea. Correct. Ah. Come on. He actually won the FA Cup with Chelsea. That was what initially inspired me to do the game was I was watching Premier League years and he was in the starting lineup of their uh, FA Cup final team. And I was like, when did he play for Chelsea? Yeah. All right, yeah, to Danny. Like Chelsea was the to... best, but I remember him at City. I remember him at City. He only had a few games, I think. Yeah, only had a few games for uh, a couple of them. All right, Danny. You just need to get one of these right to win the game, or Chris yeah. needs to uh, get both. So, Davos Suka, the legendary striker. Do you know which two teams he played for? Uh, I, oh, Davos Suka. Fuck, I remember him in his Czech kit. Um... Yeah, legendary. Yugoslavia and Croatian player. Croatia, that's the one. I remember him in Euro 96. Uh, uh, he scored 38 goals in 86 games for Real Madrid. Quite a good record. And 76 uh, goals in 153 games for Seville. I also feel like he was at Chelsea. Davos Suka. Chelsea is incorrect. And, uh, okay, Davos Suka, where, where did you play? See, he could easily be in Middlesbrough as well. Uh, I'm going to go Middlesbrough. Incorrect. Chris, if you get both right, we go to a tie break, which I don't oh, know how man. to do. Um, <laughs> uh, Davos Suka. Yeah, for some reason, I'm drawn to Liverpool, so I'm going to say Liverpool. Uh, incorrect. Oh. Do you want to save face and pick another team? West Ham. You know what? Correct. He was at Arsenal. Wasn't he at Arsenal? He, Arsenal and West Ham, yes. Ah, he was just, the famous guy they brought in to replace Nicholas Anelka. 
who oh flopped God. before the, before they then. I had a flashback. You know what? Yeah. It was Chris? I just looked at you in your yellow kit, that yellow Arsenal kit you're wearing, and I had this flashback with Davo Suka <laughs> wearing a yellow kit, and I was like, he was at Arsenal. Yeah, he was meant to replace Anelka, and then he was awful. So Arsenal then rolled the dice on a young Thierry Henry. Uh-huh. So, had Davo Suka been any good, Henry might not have burst through. So, oh. Good game. I like, oh, quite close. I like that one. Really that was a fun, fun game. Right. Front three back four, I think. Yep. I shall go first. In my front three this week is debates. <laughs> yes. uh, was you going to use that? <laughs> yeah, we got on. Let's see yours. Yeah, this week was the presidential debates between the Republican National Party and the Democratic National Party. And my goodness, I was in hysterics. Oh, Jesus Christ. What a world we live in where we've got these two so geriatrics bad, just yelling at each other, one trolling the other, the other one forgetting where he's at. I must admit, I did have a little bit to drink and maybe a little bit of the old, a little bit of the old herb while I was doing it, but uh, while I was watching it rather. And uh, it was just so hilarious. I mean, I don't know, man. I like to think I'm relatively apolitical. I, I don't align myself with any party, particularly any American party. Mark's laughing. That's just your way of saying you can't be bothered to vote. Yeah. Oh, it's not that I can't be bothered. List, I can't very much be bothered to vote. For the listeners at home, he's wearing an Arsenal shirt and a Make America Great Again cap. No, it's just a funny state of affairs. Now, look, Dan, you say I can't be bothered to vote, but like, how could anyone bring themselves to vote for one of those two numpties? And it's just the way the world is, isn't it? Especially in the, the free world, the leader of the free world, you're going to pick between one guy who's going to be 74, one guy who's going to be 78. Like, the same way I don't trust um, my decisions with a 10-year-old, I don't think I trust my decisions with a, with a senior citizen. So it's just so funny. Like, Trump's just trolling Biden, Biden's biting. At one point, the line for me of the night was when he was talking about when they were talking about COVID, which is quite rich because now Donald Trump has COVID. But um, he was just saying, you know, I do believe in masks the same as, as, as anyone else. But that guy over there, he wears masks all the time. I've never seen a man with a bigger mask <laughs> in, a president, <laughs> in a presidential debate. <laughs> but, um, oh, God, you've got to watch it. I'm, I can't wait to see the other two. I'll definitely have to make sure that I'm well inebriated for it as well because it is not something to watch when you're sober. There's a famous quote, Chris, in, um, I don't know if you've watched Hamilton yet. Obviously, it's about the American, it's all about politics. It's the obviously famous West End show, or Broadway show. It's all about American politics and how it started. And one of the songs, um, when it, which Alexander Hamilton sings a lot to one of the other guys, Amber, who never becomes president, was, you don't stand for anything, so what do you fall for? And what he's saying to him, is because Aaron Burr was always like, I can't support either side. Like I'm sort of here, there. I don't, I don't believe either. Or I don't agree. And ultimately that's becomes his downfall. He never becomes president because he never believes in anything, any one side. And the whole point of it is that in politics, you have to choose a side. So you have to pick Chris. You can't What's your point? forever. Dan, did, did, did you vote in the last election? Yeah. I always vote. No, you don't. Yeah. I like yeah, I I'll never pick a side. I'm about individual sovereignty. <laughs> I should be. In my back four is Michael Jordan's legacy. 
It's the NBA Finals, the last round. The Lakers are 2-0 up, about to play their third match against the Miami Heat. And LeBron James is uh, on course to win another NBA championship. So it'll be his fourth one, um, but with three different teams, which is something that might elevate him in terms of the discussion. Is a constant debate about who's the best ever basketball player. Is it Michael Jordan or is it LeBron James? Um, I personally don't have an opinion on the matter, but... Shock. <laughs> I can't pick a side, but... Um, it will be an interesting talking point. In America, all their fucking debate shows are just non-stop daily just chatting shit and it's just going to give more fuel to this dumb fire about who's better, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. It's a whole different thing. But I'm not a LeBron James fan, but good luck to him. I am going to judge it on whether Space Jam 2 is better than Space Jam 1. (laughs) And that, for me, will end the debate. Everyone loves a debate, like the Messi-Ronaldo debate, the Maradona-Pelé debate. Everyone loves comparing. That's how that's how we give value to something. We can we give comparative value, and we say, is it better or worse than something else that we think is really good? That's why it happens. But I agree with you. There's no reason why you can't just accept that both Jordan and LeBron are two of the best ever. Yeah, yeah. I just leave it at that. But but Jordan, um, yeah. It's actually been quite a good um, NBA playoffs in the bubble. Um, and there's been like some upsets. There's been good um, playoff series. But I think that Los Angeles Lakers, they're up against the Miami Heat, I should say. I think they're just too powerful. But, hey, there you go. Who's next? All right. uh, I was going to go with, uh, just because my back four was going to be the debates. Because... Uh, I actually didn't watch the whole debate, but I went to look for highlights and uh, Sky News's highlights were four minutes long, despite the, uh, the debate being over an hour. So I managed to find on a random YouTube channel one that was like 20 minutes. So I was like, okay, that's a bit more, a bit more doable. And uh, yeah, it just seemed a bit of a joke. Like there, there was a lot of the guy just telling them to calm down and stop interrupting. There was a, I feel like with Trump is he has a lot of like pre-scripted responses, but if a topic comes up that he hasn't got, he's, it makes me laugh because his go-to thing is just to say the other person did it. So if they're like, Trump, you didn't pay your tax. It's like, no, you didn't pay your tax. <laughs> it's like his default response is just straight back with, with you did it. So Trump used you were rude to this person. No, you were rude to that person. But he's, he's, do you know, he's, very, he's very quick, though, because there was at one point Biden was listing some things down. And he goes, first, blah, 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 so-and-so, second, did 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 And Trump was like, no, you're second. <laughs> <laughs> it's entertaining, though. You have to admit. Oh, it's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. And, and it will absolutely will, change we'll put it one out there. person's opinion of who they're voting for. No. Yeah, I will. I will put it out there. I do think Trump's going to win by a much larger margin than last time, and that is not an endorsement. It's just my opinion on the state of affairs. I do. I do agree with. You. Well, the fact that when he got, I mean, I think I texted you guys when he, the day he got announced, he got COVID, and the, all the U.S. markets crashed. You can see what the U.S. thinks about him not winning. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. The skeptic in me is unsure whether he's got COVID. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Like it's good. It's the timing, but. Yeah, I, I don't really care enough, but especially like, it's not like the the Biden is this like 
guy who you're like, I can't understand how they're not voting for him. From what, from what I've seen, it's majority of it is about Trump self imploding rather than a Biden actually being any good. So reminds me of when uh, I don't like Labour would have won hands down if they hadn't had Corbyn in charge. Just get a good leader, someone that people will follow. Because they literally could have picked anyone if they wanted to beat Trump. They could have picked anyone. They literally picked these single picked, worst. They could have picked an animal. They could have picked a goat to be the front man. <laughs> and the goats just keep sending the goat out, making funny jokes, and the goat would have won. They could um, have picked they could have picked the masked magician who doesn't say a word. <laughs> like literally just do a trick for the debate. Like they could have picked anyone. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh go on then, Mark. What's your other one? So yeah, so my back four, I'm going to go with, uh, I, to, you know, I wasn't going to, but I'm going to go with Kanye West. It's in my back four now. Um, so I've tried to get it's into the, um, I've been, I've tried to get into uh, buying and selling trainers. So I've bought, uh, I've gone, me and my, my friend's gone halves on some trainers. So we've got about seven, eight pairs, which we're going to hold on till till next year because they should go up in value. However, three of them are Yeezys. And Kanye and Adidas have fallen out because Kanye said until he's a board member of Adidas, he's wearing Air Jordans. So, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, the other four pairs of trainers I bought were Air Jordans. So I think they've gone up in value. But I think the Yeezys might take a hit. No, but th- surely there'll be worth more because if there won't be any more of them, they'll be they'll be uh, like rare. They'll be worth a lot more. Yeah. See, I I am getting into it, but I don't fully understand whether Yeezys are because I think they're quite ugly, and yeah. whether they're just like super expensive because people love Kanye West and like he designed it, or people just like it because they're expensive and they're so ugly they stand out because they're expensive. So, I don't know. So, I, I'm just saying art. Just don't try. Yeah. Have you, have you seen the new Netflix series, uh, Sneakerheads? <clears throat> it's, no. like a, it's just like a comedy TV show. These two black guys, they're, they're big sneakerheads. And it's like a, it, it's fictional, but like people that t- love their, their, their trainers and stuff, it's such a huge market. It's crazy. It's absolutely oh, insane. Yeah. The, the Asian market's massive because like, like if if you were buying trainers, you'd expect. For me, I was like, I'll get them in size eight and nine, and my mate was like, no, sevens. Sevens like the big seller because like the Asian market, their average foot size is a seven. So you're like, oh, wow. yeah. Go on, Danny. Over to you. Uh, well, so in my front three this week are is single leg cup ties. Uh, I think the death don't like amputees. The the two the concept of two legged cup ties. I never really liked that much, but now since they've kind of gone because of COVID and all the cup ties are one legged, I just I can't. I don't know why we'd ever go back to it. I love it. It's easy. It's over. I love the three legged race. <laughs> but it's so in Carabao Cup, the Europa League qualifiers, Champions League qualifiers, all of them, they've cut the home and away legs and they've just made it one game straight to pens afterwards. It's been hugely entertaining, uh, and I think that has got to be here to stay. Why, why do we need home and away again? Just do one one leg. It's great. Yeah. Um, See, I've I've said about the Carabao Cup for a while that that should be the experimental cup, ones where they try new things, like try new laws, try 
new formats. Like, it's a good chance to be like, okay, let's not just copy the FA Cup. Let's actually uh, do something different in it. So, let's hope um, that there's more change in it to come. Yeah, no, so that's my front three single leg cup ties. Love it. Uh, my back four um, is Budweiser this week. Um, also football-related story, but um, you'll have heard of Ansu Fati, who is the young 17-year-old Barcelona forward, uh, who's come on, hit the ground running this year. He scored about two or three goals basically every game he's played. Last week, he got named man of the match uh, when they played Villarreal. They battered them. Uh, I think got two goals, got an assist. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, but the match and the man of the match award was sponsored by Budweiser. And obviously, he's only 17 so he's not actually allowed to be seen or associated with any kind of alcoholic drink. So the Man of the Match Award was stripped from him and given to someone else so they could interview someone with Budweiser <laughs> because he's only 17. Uh, and I think that was absolutely outrageous because he was Man of the Match and should have got it. So uh, shame on you, Budweiser, for the advertising uh, for stripping the Man of the Match Award from him. He just wanted to Man of the Match. Money. Come on. Money talks. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and that was it. Good stuff. So next week we've got international football. So we'll be doing our Champions League draft as well, just to fill up some time. Maybe we'll watch England play, see Saka just absolutely dominate. Um, and the week after that, actually, we're all in Devon. So maybe we'll do a Greek podcast with a live city audience. Who knows? Yeah, they will be well up for it. I can, I can see it now. All three of them. All, all three yeah. of three of them. Yes, three of them. <laughs> yes, and Toby. Um, but yeah, there we go. Sunday night. Hope you're happy, Mark. Now you you got enough time to go to your next booty call. Yeah, should should be able to squeeze it in. Oh, Ollie Watkins has got two more goals yeah. left in this half. I reckon. That's Let's go. Win six one. Right. Come on. Yeah. Um, we should see you next week, maybe. Yep. See ya. Alright. Bye. See you later. See you later. Alright.